Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Friday, September 9th. The killing of an Algahone nursing home resident raises questions about the facility. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diego will likely get a drenching today as the long arms of Hurricane K reach the county. National Weather Service officials say they expect plenty of local rainfall. It is not common for San Diego to be within reach of a Pacific hurricane because the storms typically drift west. But this past week's heat dome pulled this hurricane north toward San Diego. Thursday was the state's ninth straight day of flex alerts with all of us asked to reduce our power usage during the record-breaking heat wave. Kevin Garrity of SDG&E said the utility was seeing some relief in local demand yesterday. We know the cloud cover has actually reduced our demand in here, here in San Diego County just a little bit. Across the state, it's still very high, right? And this is a statewide supply issue, so we're still monitoring all of that. He says to secure anything that's loose outside as the storm comes with high winds, that can do damage to power lines and cause outages. The San Diego Fire Rescue Department is releasing official numbers from heat-related incidents at Snapdragon Stadium over the past weekend. Fire officials say they received multiple 911 calls during the SDSU football game and had to transport at least five people while helping others in distress. SDSU says free water was given out during the game and they are evaluating plans for future events at the stadium. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Long ago, when the public square was the only place to share news, events, and happenings, people were drawn to it. Living in community with others was the route to understanding each other and the world around us. The public square has changed dramatically, but our need to learn and understand one another has it. This is Port of Entry, the Parker Edison Project. Listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. Thank you for listening to KPBS Podcast and for being part of our region's virtual public square, where you learn not only about the headlines of the day, but about culture, music, and the issues that are important to all of us. Help keep the virtual square alive and well. Support podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. And thanks again. The killing of a resident at an alcohol nursing home raises questions about why the facility admitted a patient with a long history of severe psychiatric illness and allowed him to stay even though he had reportedly assaulted other residents. In the second of a two-part series, KPBS reporter Amita Sharma examines this case. Heads up, this story contains graphic descriptions that some audience members may find disturbing. The warning to Sally Renee Johnson Comselman in mid-2021 could not have been more ominous. Her 90-year-old father was being treated at Sharp Grossmont Hospital when a staff social worker warned her against returning him to Avocado Post Acute Nursing Home in El Cajon. She said, you don't want to send him back there. 
It's a terrible place. The public record supports the social worker's perception of avocado. More than 600 complaints have been filed against avocados since 2019. And in April, federal regulators moved to decertify the 256-bed facility, citing its failure to keep residents free of abuse, neglect, and exploitation. Weeks later, they reversed their decision, saying the facility had returned to substantial compliance. But back in July 2021, Johnson Comselman says she had no option other than to place her dad back at Avocado from Sharp Grossmont. She had just a few thousand dollars a month for his care and little time to find an alternative. Six weeks later, her father, Robert Bradley, was dead, allegedly murdered by his roommate, Bezalil Jefferson. Again, Johnson Comselman. This beautiful man who pulled himself up by his bootstraps during the Depression and made a life for himself. You want your dad to die peacefully. A caregiver found Bradley in his room at Avocado vomiting blood in the early hours of August 19, 2021, according to state investigators. The autopsy report states Bradley had abrasions and contusions on his neck and died from strangulation. The San Diego County medical examiner ruled Bradley's death a homicide. Johnson Comselman saw her father in hospice before he died. His tongue was swollen and purple, and I saw scratch marks and gashes and abrasions. His whole neck was tremendously swollen. Jefferson admitted hitting Bradley before caregivers found him, according to El Cajon police records. San Diego County prosecutors charged Jefferson with Bradley's murder last fall. But Jefferson was deemed not mentally competent to stand trial and sent to a psychiatric facility in San Bernardino, according to court records. Johnson Comselman and her siblings have filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Avocado. The lawsuit claims Jefferson suffers from severe chronic psychiatric illness and has been under multiple court-ordered conservatorships. The lawsuit also alleges that Avocado knew Jefferson had previously attacked other residents and refused to take his medication. Scott Fikes, a lawyer for Bradley's family, said an Avocado nurse's comments to El Cajon police are telling. She told the police that they were going to need their help removing Mr. Jefferson from the facility, and that she was concerned if they did it without police help, that he would whip their ass. Avocado, the California Department of Public Health, and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services all refused to comment on Bradley's death. Lawyer Ernie Tosh is an expert on federal rules governing nursing homes. He says the facilities can admit mentally ill patients, but it can be fraught. Well, if the person is refusing to take their medication and you suspect they could become violent in doing so, you have an absolute duty to the other residents to discharge that patient to protect the rest of your patients. Johnson Comselman says she's still haunted by how her father looked in his final hours. Part of me is going, oh my God, what happened? Oh my God, this is like a war victim. Oh my God, this is someone that's gone through hell and I wasn't there to protect him. That was the thing that bothered me the most. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News. Like elsewhere around the world, San Diegans are mourning the death of Queen Elizabeth II. KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne has more. 
Shakespeare Pub and Grill is a local eatery with British-style comfort food in San Diego. Gutted, absolutely gutted. We all were shocked. It seems to have happened really quickly. Nicola McEwen Beatty is the general manager of the pub. She says since the news broke, her phone has been ringing nonstop, and she anticipates customers coming in to mourn the Queen's death. We anticipate a lot of um, expats coming in to be with each other um, and to celebrate her life. She's going to be with her husband. That was the greatest love of her life, so that's the only compensation that we're taking from that right now. Craig Tolson, the president of the House of England in Balboa Park, was still letting the news sink in. Everything's just happened so... News has just traveled so fast, trying to figure out what everybody's doing. The Queen's funeral will be held after 10 days of mourning. Both the House of England and Shakespeare Pub will host events for San Diegans to attend. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, we have some weekend arts events worth checking out. We'll have that and more just after the break. This is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. Last night, Film Out kicked off its 22nd year of showcasing LGBTQ movies in San Diego. For the next three days, the festival will host screenings of shorts, features, and documentaries at the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park. KPBS arts reporter Beth Agamondo spoke with three filmmakers whose works will be screened at the festival. Programming a film festival is like making a mixtape. You need to make sure there's variety and balance to what you select. For 22 years, Film Out has been offering a showcase of LGBTQ films from around the globe and across a broad range of genres. This year, you can find rom-coms, art house films, documentaries, and horror. Filmmaker Carter Smith says horror has always been queer. I mean, horror has always been stories of outsiders and monsters and people seen as monsters and unconventional heroes or heroines fighting back against the monster. And, and I think that there's a queerness that's kind of always been there. And only recently have films and books and stories been starting to come out where queer people are at the center. Smith's film Swallowed ventures into a subgenre he's always been drawn to, body horror. As a queer kid growing up in the 80s and early 90s, like I came of age when I was pretty afraid of my body and pretty afraid of sex. Like AIDS was like the forefront of everything. And like every 
mole or <laughs> rash was like, I was convinced that I was going to die and I was petrified of sex. So there was this like this real sense that horror and sex and the body were sort of tied together in a way that I don't think I've ever quite been able to shake. Smith looks forward to the in-person screening on Saturday because he likes to watch audiences watch his film. It's been amazing to sit in the theater and watch people squirm in their seats and gasp. And, and at the end, talking to people afterwards to find people like crying and sort of touched by this kind of tender love story that's hiding at the heart of this really messed up body horror film. Benjamin Howard's Rendezvous is not body horror, but it did present the filmmaker with something scary, shooting his first sex scene. The short explores a number of things, one of which is kind of the gray areas of consent. And so it's not easy. And so you want to tread lightly. You want to make sure that everyone's very comfortable. We had an intimacy coordinator on set who was phenomenal to work with. Amanda Blumenthal is her name. And she really kind of made the difference between me just coming into this scared out of my mind and me approaching this like, okay, cool. Can I make a weird request? I like weird requests. Would you tell me that you love me? Just say, I love you. Howard grew up in San Diego, but Rendezvous was a class project at UCLA. You ask yourself, well, what's my end goal? If my end goal is to make a feature version of something, but I don't quite have the means to do that just yet, okay, great. Start with the proof of concept. Maybe you take a scene from that feature script and you turn that into a short. And that's basically what we did with Rendezvous, the short film. Another film with local roots is moving out. Filmmaker Rachel Ernest shot the short film in her hometown of Oceanside. Seeing who supported the film and who didn't was both exhilarating and like very moving at times. And then at other times it was painful, I would say. Gay marriage is legal now. I understand that, Pete. So you let my daughter get married here, but not my son. The church administration scenes, where her character overhears a man asking about gay marriage, were shot at Ernest's childhood church. For our protagonist, Sam, growing up in this church community has mostly been a loving experience, but there's a part of it that really isn't loving and accepting for her as a queer person. Ernest is looking forward to screening her short at Film Out. I have all these people from the church community who are coming out to this LGBTQ festival, and I think it's amazing. I honestly never thought that this could happen. Film Out will be making amazing things happen through Sunday at the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Film Out continues through Sunday at the Museum of Photographic Arts in Balboa Park. And before you go, we have a preview of Weekend Arts events for you. Here's KPBS Arts producer Julia Dixon-Evans speaking with Jade Heineman about her recommendations for the weekend. All right, so let's just dig right into the visual art, starting with the many exhibitions opening at Bread and Salt Gallery in Logan Heights. Who and what's on view? Right, so this is Barrio Art Crawl, and every month on the second Saturday, the galleries that make up the Bread and Salt Complex, they kind of pull out all the stops for, for this. 
much of the action for Barrio Art Crawl is on Logan Avenue, but if you do head a few blocks over to Bread and Salt, you'll find lots of great art. At the main gallery is a solo exhibition from Yasmin Kassan. It's called Middle, and she identifies as a queer Muslim Egyptian American artist, and her art is intertwined with that, with that lived experience. And she uses a lot of layers of abstraction alongside traditional Arab and Islamic narratives and imagery. And this exhibition is all new works. Many of them are textiles. And that one is on view through October 23rd. And what about some of the other galleries inside Bread and Salt? Yeah, so at Best Practice, which is tucked away in the back corner at Bread and Salt, they'll have a new exhibition from a Los Angeles artist, Keaton Macon. And this one, he's painted these true-to-size replicas of his personal record collection. So that one will be on view through October 15th. And at the Athenaeum Art Center, that's the Athenaeum satellite location at Bread and Salt, they're opening a group exhibition of works on paper and also artist books. It's called Paper, Print, and Bind, and there are books from 17 artists and then works of art from seven artists, each of whom has worked or collaborated with the Athenaeum in the past. That's all on view until the 22nd. And the Athenaeum does have more limited gallery hours at Bread and Salt during the week, so it's a good bet to swing by on Saturday night. The joint opening reception for all of these things is this Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m., and it's all free. In the theater, the Old Globe opens a new Broadway-bound production called Come Fall in Love, the DDLJ musical. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so this is an adaptation of a hugely popular 1995 Hindi language film. It was a musical rom-com, and it's known affectionately by its initials, DDLJ. It's finally been adapted for the stage. That's by lyricist Nell Benjamin, who also adapted Mean Girls and Legally Blonde. And it has new music from Vishal Dadlani and Shekhar Revjani. And there will also be some musical elements from the original film. And the film's writer and director is also the director of this production at the Old Globe. It's a love story, and it follows two young people um, falling in love overseas, but one of them is facing an arranged marriage in India. There are some differences in modernizations, like the play is set in the United States instead of in London, and the male lead is now a white American man. And it's on stage through October 16th, but after that, it is heading to Broadway. And finally, how about some music? The Hausman Quartet performs on Sunday. Tell us about this. So this is part of their long-running Haydn Voyages series where they chip away at Haydn's string quartet compositions. And they also contrast those works with some of Haydn's contemporaries as well as modern composers. And they do this all on the deck of the Berkeley ship at the Maritime Museum. So this is Sunday afternoon at 2.30, and they're playing four works. There's quartets by Haydn and Beethoven, plus there's a 1989 piece by John Cage, and this one, which is a 2016 work by Pulitzer Prize winner Caroline Shaw. It's called Blueprint, and I recently saw Caroline Shaw's special takeover appearance. This was at the La Jolla Music Society Summerfest, and she's incredible. She's making such extraordinary work in chamber music right now. That's Blueprint by composer Caroline Shaw. The Hausman Quartet will perform that piece 
at the Maritime Museum on Sunday. For details on these and more events, or to sign up for Julia's weekly KPBS Arts newsletter, go to kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS Arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thanks. Thank you, Jade. Have a good weekend. That was KPBS Arts producer and editor Julia Dixon-Evans speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heineman. That's it for the podcast today. This podcast is produced by KPBS senior producer Brooke Ruth and producer Emmeline Mohebi. We'd also like to thank this week's guest hosts, Matt Hoffman and Eric Anderson for filling in for me. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.